Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. Now for the Piazza Resistance. It is my honor, my privilege. <laughs> now, do you, do you, you've got it all. Yeah, I don't know if it's working or not. Greg, my, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. Thank you guys for that warm welcome. Um, I just want to encourage the families that were up here. Dang it, Daring, you people. You're making me all emotional, what? Okay, yeah. When I see the babies up here and the families praying over, I know there's, there's this temptation to think this is just a church thing. We have our babies, we bring them in, get dedicated. We want them to be Christians. But I want to encourage you, Stephen Marine. Cobbs, um, John Michael, your family, hide those things that people have prayed over them. Hide those things that God put in your heart that was unspoken today and, and hold on to them. God gave us words for all of our kids and, and scriptures for my two boys. And before we even knew that Caitlin was a Caitlin, God put in my heart real heavy that my wife and Caitlin, they were going to have a very special, unique bond, friendship. And, you know, I always thought, God, why do you tell me stuff like that? Because, you know, what am I going to do that? Great. They're going to be friends. But, <laughs> and he said, and you're going to have a good relationship with her too, but their relationship's going to be extraordinary. And what that did for me is they were growing and Caitlin was growing up. They did. They had this, this bond that other people talked about. They didn't go through the, you know, I'm growing out of you type of thing. They've been best friends all throughout Caitlin's life. What that did for me is, if I wouldn't have known that, I'd been like, what about me? I'm the dad. You know, daughter's daddy, and we did. We had a special, but it was, it was almost threatening how good the relationship has been. And it, and it still is. They're best friends, and, and, uh, and, and I... And I still make fun of them for that. So, so I just want to encourage you, hide those things in your heart. Because the things that God showed me, the things that were prophesied when they were over, they, they came true. And they helped us understand our kids. And they helped us kind of guide our kids. You know, there's a, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, they're raising a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart for it. Well, you know, my whole life I thought, well, that scripture is really about you know, you want them to be moral, you want them to, to know God, you want them to, you know, all the, the good things you want them to grow up to be. But that really, that scripture, what it's really about is find your child's bent. Raise your child in the way that they would go and foster that, feed that. Show them how to draw on the spirit of God to cause that to be excellent in their life. And then when they're old, they'll be excellent and they'll bring glory to God because of who they are, not just because of what they do. So anyway, Father, I just thank you that you're here. I thank you that we're two or more gathered in your name. You're here in the midst for, of us, God. Um, I just thank you that your presence is here and that you've prepared everybody's heart, my heart, everybody who's sitting in this room prepared our hearts to hear your word. And God, I forgive Derek Castlebaum because two weeks ago, he called an audible. 
And I knew I was kind of m- coming up here, and I just started praying, God, don't call an audible. I got what I want to talk about, and I'm going to be prepared for it. Don't call an, call an audible. And so all yesterday, I just couldn't get traction. I was putting everything together. I've prepared messages before. I couldn't gain traction. I was just like, I'm wasting my day. I'm down here in this prayer room all by myself. I kicked my wife out to go with my daughter so I could be alone because I'm going to hear from God. It's going to be powerful. And, um, and the whole time, just, I just wasn't getting traction. But I'm going to figure out a way how to preach that message anyway, just in five minutes. Because I was going to teach about your primary purpose in life. Everybody in this room. And it was going to be good. <laughs> you're, you're really going to love it. And that is relationship. You know, God, if you, if you go back and look from the very beginning, God built creation. He built the earth. He built the universe. Everything to support and, and have this thing called relationship. Relationship with him, relationship with each other. And so all these um, things that, that God has given us, you know, marriage, family, it all kind of births out of relationship. So even how he took Eve out of Adam, I know it says, you know, most of our translations talks about, you know, he, he pulled a rib out of Adam and if you look at the original language of that, it's, it's more like out of the side of Adam, he pulled Eve to be a helpmeet. We like to say helpmate. I like to say helpmate because I have this disease when I get home. When I sit down in my chair, I grow roots. And I'm like, Angie, I need a drink of water. You know, and it's three, to, three feet away. But I can't do it. I got these roots, you know. So God pulls out of Adam a help meet. And really, when you start looking at what that means, it's like the other half, the other complete. And it was, it was great this morning when we talked about unity because in that relationship, when you have a perfect relationship, so if you picture a sphere and you have a perfect relationship, where are the seams? Where is the space? There's no space. It looks like a solid sphere with one solid purpose. And that's what God created us to be when he created Adam and Eve. There was a reason why he created, he, he created Adam and there was just one Adam, right? One man. And he was a stud. He had all the mind of God. He had a perfect body. He was made in the image of God. We just got dumber from there. <laughs> so he made a perfect man and he decided to separate them. And the Bible talks about it's not good for man to be alone. Well, he wasn't talking about loneliness. He wasn't talking about Adam's inability to do something by himself. He was talking about relationship and there's a purpose for him creating man. And so when he separated them and created this help meet, it was to learn how to form this thing called a relationship. Why? Because Father God created these beings called humans to rule and reign his creation with him. He created us for relationship. And it's easy to say that. I understand that. (laughs) My message, I'm just cheating and, and trying to sneak it in. He has this thing called relationship because they're going to rule and reign with him. 
And when we have perfect relationship, there's things in the Bible that says he wants us to rule with him. He wants us to, he wants us to have what he has and know what he knows. And, and to, um, I don't know, to uh, interact with his creation perfectly like he does. He wants us to walk in the cool of the day and, and you know, not to be just playmates, but he, he wants us to, you know, I told, I told you, I wasn't going to preach it, but it's, it's, it's awesome because through that, what happens? God gets glorified. Um, uh, love gets displayed. You know, all these things that have really good, strong kind of religious connotations that we don't even have a real great grasp of become real and alive and expressed. And God is just, you know, biting at the bit, you know, to, to get that in us and through us and for our benefit. And so um, one of the things I've been on my heart that I've been wanting to share is another freebie. It's not part of my message. was about worship. It's, I always think, I think Christianity is weird. I mean, we, we get up on Sunday mornings, and we get ready, and we go to this building from our house, looks warm and cozy, that has food, and we get up, and, and, and we come to this building, and we sit in the seats, and we sing songs. You know, we sing. We all come together, and we know we're going to sing, so we're going to sing. And I always thought, well, that's kind of what makes us do that. You know, that's and that kind of weird for people to do, you know. And then we sit down in seats and watch a guy in the front talk. What's making people sit in the seats? You know, what isn't that kind of weird that we do that? And that's and then and then we go home and somewhere in that we feel really good and kind of satisfied that we did that. And I always thought that's kind of weird. Well, it would be weird if there wasn't purpose to that. You know, to walk in in the front door. I love you guys. I don't even know most of you guys, but you can ask my, my wife. I mean, I'm, I don't like missing. I had a job where I traveled a lot, and I, and I quit it because I missed you guys. I was losing connection with you guys, and, and I needed to be here. I'm like a, I'm like a puppy, you know. I, I walk up, I see the church, and you know, my tongue <laughs> it just starts wagging, you know. And, you know, I, I don't even... You know, I don't know what you're going to say. I don't know what I'm going to say, but, you know, who can I say good morning to? Who can I see, you know, how's your week doing? You know, what do I get out of it? I don't know. I just, I just love you guys. You know, so um, worship is a um, vehicle that God created for us to, to do that, to interact with him, to interact with each other, so we come into this church and we're singing songs. Well, it's not just about singing songs and, and, and gathering everybody in to organize a meeting. There's something that God has created for us to do to help us have closer, perfect relationship with him. And so I just want to encourage you guys, when we, when we come in, you know, we get to sing the songs, but we come in and on our backs we're carrying worries, feelings of inferiority, just stuff. I'm not good enough. Um, shame, you know, how good of a week did I have? 
you know, uh, I'm sorry about that hit and run, you know, <laughs> Snook's parking lot, you know, whatever. We bring stuff in and it's just on us. And then we try to sing and, you know, where are we at? Our, our hands are like this and we're singing and it's good, but I'm not connecting. How do I connect? Well, God gives us a way to connect. And if we'll close our eyes when we're singing, I'd be honest with you, I don't even know what songs we sing here, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, if we sing some of the older songs when we sing the Bible, you know, like a Kent Henry type of songs, you know, I, I grew up on that, so I know what that is. And, I, and then, you know, my daughter, she just came back from Bethel, and she loves the new kind of free-flow modern songs, and she just, she flows on in, in that, you know. And then we got the songs that we sing kind of in between. You know, and, and it's really not the songs that's important. It's about taking my mind and saying, God, I just want to worship you. And in the Bible, I, I did a word study years ago, and I was so disappointed. Because when I opened the Bible and I started looking up the Greek and the Hebrew, you know, the uh, proskuneo is the, is the Greek word um, for worship. And the um, Hebrew word is much stronger it's shaka. <laughs> Everyone say shaka. I just wanted to make you guys crow like a, a bird, but and it all means the same thing, both in Greek and Hebrew, and it just means to lay prostrate, to to lay low. And I'm like, well, God, you know, I grew up in New Covenant, and and when we worshipped, I mean, you spoke. There was just the meetings were spiritually charged. It ruined me. Because it became a model for something that I'm always hungry for. I mean, people in this section would start off a word, and then someone over here would finish it almost without even having a, a pause. It was wild. And I'm just a little kid, and, you know, that would happen three or four, and it would be fluent, and it would be on, it wouldn't be weird, and it would change people's lives. It would bear fruit. And so that was my model. And when I first met Tom here, I told him, I was like, look, man, I've been ruined because of the new covenant. He goes, me too. You know, and that's his heart is to have, is to set an atmosphere where the spirit of God is here and that we're all flowing in, in the spirit of God. So we're, we're expressing God's love to us in a timely manner and it's accurate and it's good and it's powerful and it bears fruit. Yes. Okay. So um, I just want to encourage you when you come in, and, and, and we sit down and worship. Yeah, you might have done something terrible. You know, you might be wishing that your, your uh, you know, 14-year warranty on your dog, you know, or 12-year warranty on your dog really did run out, you know, and he's on 14 years, and you're like, who, who sold me this stuff? You know, it's 12 years. He's, it's time. Doggy heaven. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. He peed on our carpet this morning, so it made me even... You know, where's the warranty? Come on. So anyway, so, um, so praise God. Love you, Jesus. So this morning, what I really want to talk about is the heart. After saying that, talking about the heart. About two years ago, I was really, well, longer than two years, but I'm really questioning God because I kept on getting the sense that there's something more and there's something deeper. And I almost was getting 
bitter or angry because my whole adult life I was kind of in a, a certain mindset doctrine that I believed in. And, and it worked. Sometimes. And, you know, it seemed to work for some preachers. It seemed to work every once in a while. You know, when I wasn't even trying to work it. I remember someone or the pastor saying, hey, you guys turn around and, and uh, just lay hands on the person next to you. And, uh, and uh, you know, just if they got something wrong, just pray for them. And I turned around and prayed for this lady behind me, you know, and then laid hands on her. And then I, someone was laying hands on the lady in front of me. And I did. And both of them came up and said, hey, I, I just want you to know, you know, before I came to service, I almost didn't come here tonight because I was in so much pain on, on my shoulder. And immediately, like, I'm sorry. I didn't, he told us to lay hands on your shoulder. I'm just obeying the pastor. No, what I'm trying to tell you is that when you laid hands on my shoulder, I was healed. And I'm like, well, I can't tell you how unspiritual I'm thinking and how I feel right now. So that's really surprising, <laughs> you know, because I wasn't doing the faith thing. I was just doing what the preacher was saying. And then the lady in front of me did the same thing. And so I'm on this road. I'm thinking, what is this, God? Is there a way to know? Is there a way, you know, I don't want to use the word formula, so I won't. So is there a formula that we can follow that I can know that what I'm doing is the right thing to do to produce the results that I want to produce in people's lives, in my life, and, you know, ministering to people. When I pray, is there a way to know that you're actually going to move? Because I know you can, and, but most of the time you don't, or at least I don't see the results of it. And it has hurt my heart because I know you're not a liar, and I know what the Word says, so... What's the deal? I know you're not wrong, so it's got to be something here. And the Lord really started impressing me about the word belief. And I felt like God was saying, Greg, maybe what you think belief is isn't what I'm talking about when I talk about belief. I'm like, but the word believe is right there, and I kind of know what the word believes mean. You know, believes mean, belief means. And so there, is there any other way? And it turns out there may be. So we had a situation in our life that a young man and a young family who was very, very close to the pastor uh, passed away. He had brain cancer. He got healed. And, you know, we would pray for them on Sunday nights. You know, they were very, very close. And they were in. I mean, you can't get any more in without being a blood relative than, than this family was. And, and so, and he had a relapse. His mom, who's a great lady, um, who's also went on to be with the Lord, was out doing a mission trip and found out, well, your son's had a relapse. And so you need to come home. And so she did. And immediately we went to battle. And we're praying, and I was in this thing where I was trying to be led by God, which is a, a good thing to be in, but I was trying to be led by God, like meaning, God, if you want me to do something, I'm going to do it no matter what, as long as it produces results. 
I'll spit in the mud and stir up the mud and scoop it up and put it in somebody's eyeball socket, but when I wipe it off, there better be an eyeball there. You know, otherwise, you're going to get arrested, you're going to look like a jerk, and you're not going to... Um, you're not going to back up what I think I'm, I'm trying to do here. And so I'm not going to trust you. And, and that's the crux of where I'm going. So this young man died, and so did my faith. I cried. I sat down. pastor made the announcement that day. I, I couldn't stand anymore. And, you know, I'd like to say it was because I was close to this young man and their family. I'd like to say... Is because, you know, we really battled and, and I was just, and it wasn't. It wasn't about him and his family as much as it was about my belief in God and my faith that God was going to follow through with what he said, or at least I thought he said he was going to do. And my wife was worried. I was, I was like, I couldn't hear what anybody said. And I went home and I just told Angie, I'm done. I'm done. She's like, what do you mean you're done? I was like, well, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray. But I'm not believing this stuff anymore. It doesn't work. I know the people that came and, and prayed for Matthew. I wasn't on the inside circle. We weren't on the inside circle, but we were close enough to where we knew a lot what was going on behind closed doors. And these are people that are on TV. These are people who preach in front of thousands and thousands get healed and saved. These are people who preach the gospel in, in such a bold way, and it's awesome. None of that is bad. But in my heart, I believe if they couldn't pray, and this young man, who is an awesome young man, if healing came because you deserved it, he, he would be up in front of the line. Just a great family. If it doesn't work for them, then you know, I'm, how's it going to work for the rest of us? And so quietness of my little pity party temper tantrum in our living room, I just felt like God, I'm not going to tell you what he said, but I just felt like he was redirecting me and asking me some questions that started leading me to maybe questioning do you believe what you think you really believe or do the words that you say you believe are they really what you think you believe is that what I told you to believe and I was like, well, no, that's, that's, it's being preached. It's right there. I, I, I bought a hook, line, and sinker. I don't believe I've been deceived, but something's not working. So it put me on this road to, to start questioning God to find out what I need to do, where I need to go to get the real deal. Not that what I had wasn't the real deal, but it just wasn't working for me. It wasn't working in my life the way it did sometimes. But I would never know. It was like, you know, Russian, prayer, Russian roulette. You know, healing, Russian roulette. You know? And, and so, um, I took this job a couple of years ago. And it's just, it was driving. I became a truck driver. You know? And, and uh, I got the tattoos. You want to No. 
I got a big super I got a big Superman cape all along the back of my back. No, <laughs> joking. The time in that truck, I would pray, and and I would start to hear stuff in my heart. And this is really kind of the the beginning part of the emphasis God was taking me about the heart. He started speaking to my heart, and and I don't know how it works with you guys, but for me, a lot of times. I'll be hearing something in the background of my life, and it's like it's more like an itch that I can't reach. I'm not really focusing or I'm not really hearing it, but it's always just kind of there until at some point you just have this realization, you know, that I have this thought and it keeps on coming back, and, you know, maybe I should pay attention to it. And so I've kind of started learning that a lot of times, that's my heart trying to get through me something that maybe God is trying to get up into my consciousness. See, when I was, when I, as an adult, I started asking these questions. You, you read in the Bible, and the heart is absolutely there on display. Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. Well, what does that mean? Well, what's your heart? Well, Greg, that's your subconscious. Oh, that's my subconscious. And, you know, that never sat right. Well, it might be my subconscious, but there, there's more to it. So what is my heart? Well, you know, you just, you just it's your subconscious. You just, um, you know, repeat. You know, you want to meditate on the, uh, on the word. And what does meditate mean? All oh, it means to mutter. Mutter, over and over. Okay, you know, I look, and sure enough, it, it says mutter. It says some other things, but mutter was kind of a highlighted deal. And, uh, and it, it just, some of it seemed to be helping me, but it just, and so recently I've learned, the Bible talks about meditating on the word, day and night. And if you look up the word, it, mutter is right in there. And, but also, using your imagination, picturing what Jesus is telling you. And so what I started doing was meditating on certain scriptures just to, just to see, just out of curiosity. My dad came out of the occult, and, and when they talked about meditate, they talked about really the same thing, but on kind of a holy different, whole, not holy, unholy, <laughs> different level. And it produced things in his life, spiritual things that weren't good. And when he became a Christian and they started going to New Covenant, we almost didn't go because they speak in tongues there. They prophesy. They're doing things that we did in the occult and divine science. It's the same thing. So are they the Christian version of it? I'm not going there. It practically destroyed my life the first time. Well, the devil's a liar and he's a copier. He can't create anything. He's going to take what God has created, and he's going to pervert it. So, and that's kind of what I feel like he's, he, this whole concept of the heart he's kind of done is he's watered it down to where we're not even sure what it is. Your heart is the central sense of self. That sounds so psychology, but it is, it is the central part of your being that defines who you really are and dictates what you really think. 
I just hate how psychology it sounds, you know, but it's, it's the only way I could come up with. There is a, a copy of it that I'm going to call ego, which is kind of your intellectual sense of And so my whole life, I would say, if you ask, you know, uh, what, what makes up a person, I'd say, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's all the memories. It's all your thoughts, you know, it's all. And, uh, and I've changed that. Because I believe now, based on what the Bible says, it's really about all the beliefs of your heart. Okay? And a belief in your heart can happen instantaneously, or you can purposely learn how to rewrite what's in your heart to agree with the Word. And you can get it to a place where you believe it at such a level, it's unshakable. One of the problems I had with faith, or the version of faith that I believed, was, you know, I would, I would get to a place where I emotionally believed it. I'm going home all in. But when things started not working out, or if things were questioned hard enough, I would either have to disregard it, or go back and, and really mutter, you know, get it back into my heart. I got to get it there. And there's Getting it into your heart involves all of that. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but the process of it involves finding what the word, the truth of the word says, and meditating on it. I'm, right now, I've been dealing with a lie for the last 16 years. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but for 16 years, I believe something. And it was based on an, a godly, true experience that I had and, and, uh, in, in the middle of work. And got, the God showed me something and told me something. And I got on the phone and said, this is what God showed me. This is, and I attached an interpretation to it. I attached what I thought it meant. And it was all wrapped up. In, into this thing that happened. I don't know how about you guys, but I'll, I feel like sometimes God just drops something and it comes with visuals and, and it's in a split second and it's powerful and, it's, and it usually always happens. And in this case, the first part happened exactly how God showed me. The interpretation part of it was devastating. But it was so real and I believed it so deeply that it was impossible. My wife believed it so deeply that it was impossible for it to be a deception. And my biggest fear, quite honestly, is being deceived. Because you don't know what you don't know. And when you're walking in deception, you don't know it, but you get to reap all the benefits of walking in deception. And it, it stinks. <laughs> so... Um, and recently, I've come to the conclusion that I've been in deception for 16 years. It's affected my whole life. It's affected my wife and my children. It's affected all of our whole lives. And, and, uh, and most people would think, well, you know, it's benign. It's not that big a deal. No. It was so deep in my heart that even though I'm convinced now that I was deceived and, and that I believed something in my heart that was a total lie... I'm in the process of allowing God 
to remove that lie. And it's, it's, I'm still in the process. I still wake up in the middle of the night thinking, how, how could that be deception? How could that be? I experienced that. I was, and, and I had to go back to the Holy Spirit and allow him and start picturing what it was really supposed to be like and what God wanted for me and, the, and what God is telling me the truth about me. Because I am probably worse than you guys. I have a whole list of things I believe in my heart about myself that are horrible. I would never say that. You know, I would never tell you that. And until recently, I didn't even know that. So, um, so anyway. So the beliefs in the heart are what will dictate to us who we are and what we do in this life. It's just how we're built. Out of the abundance of the heart, heart the mouth speaks. I used to preach that to my youth because um, I was really into what you said dictated what happened in your life. But really, what you say, especially when you have no filters on, is coming from the place of the heart. And, how, and that's the verse I was looking for. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's automatic. It's a spiritual... Law, and a lot of times we want to say, "Well, I think this in my heart." With really, we just have really strong beliefs or really strong thoughts that need to get into our hearts. Okay, and <laughs> the thing I'm mad about Derek is he planted this whole idea when he, two weeks ago he came up here and he's, he called an audible. I played college football. I know what an audible is. You know, and, and they're great. And if you prepare enough, a, a football team can go to the championship because they have skill calling an, calling an audible. They look at the defense, and they adjust on the fly. Okay? I didn't want to call an audible. I'm not skilled enough and didn't have the, in my mind, didn't have the knowledge enough. So, God, whatever you tell me to do an audible, to, like, you know, download it all in a second. And yesterday, I'm trying to put all this stuff on my notes, and I kept on thinking about the sower of the seed. And, and it kept on coming back. I was like, no, God, that's so 20 years ago. You know, I'm, this is new. This is great. You know, I'm going to get to use Greek words. I'm going to impress everybody. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be awesome. And I just kept on having this itch about the sower of the seed. And then this morning in prayer, I'm like, 60% thinking, all right, I need a change to the sower of the seed. Randy starts praying and starts, I see you with this like bag of seed, you know, and I'm like, you called an audible. And so let's go to Mark 4. And what we're talking about is the heart. I believe that this story is a key to us living successfully as children of God to get our lives in a position to experience the kingdom of God. Now, many people believe that the kingdom of God is talking about heaven. But if you start reading what Jesus talks about, the kingdom of God, and the context he talks about the kingdom of God, he's talking about our lives here on earth. So what he's saying is, if we can line up our hearts to him, 
and his laws and his purposes, we can have heaven on earth. That is, a, I realize that's a huge chunk for people, it's a huge step for people to take because what in our lives, other than the little pockets of, you know, great things, for the most part, we struggle in life, right? I mean, I just talked about how we come in these doors and we're carrying disappointments and bad things, you know? So how, what does heaven on earth look like? I don't know. I'm in the process of learning that and trying to walk that out. And I feel strongly that God's going to show me how to do that. And he's going to show other leaders in the church how to do that. Because I believe we're coming up to a place in history that we're going to need to know that. Because it gets darker and darker. But as we learn how to walk in the light, we're going to get brighter and brighter. But it's going to be real and it's going to be something that's going to sustain people, maybe even big chunks of humanity to get us through whatever this period happens. I used to think that, you know, in heaven, God had this big alarm clock, you know, and that, you know, we read Revelation, you know, and it's all right, the, the, the dragon's coming, you know, the, the, well, the seven-year tribulation, it's all coming. And I used to think that when the clock ran down, the alarm was going to go off, and then all, you know, Hades was going to break loose, and we needed to be prepared. You know, I'm going to have dried food in my garage, in my basement, you know, and if I have enough, I'll share with my neighbor, you know, and all this stuff, you know. And really what I'm coming to find out is we are the alarm clock. The church is the alarm clock. I don't know how it's going to look or what it's going to look like, but I know that God is equipping us right now, here, right now, to learn how to get the truth of him in our hearts so that when things happen on the face of the earth, we'll be unshakable. And we can believe that. And it's not just really, really strong hope and hope that we don't get um, rolled over. And you know, we got loved ones that are hooked. And you know, we, we have people we want, to atta- we want to attach ourselves to. And I believe that what this parable is about is the process of doing that. So I'm getting my New King James Version Bible out. Just joking. It's not a Bible. It's a phone, but it has a Bible on it. (laughs) And Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out in the lake while all the people were along the shores. Thank you. Shore's edge, watching, okay. So let's skip down. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone with the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables, he told them, 
The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. God's not talking about he's sending things in code to hide it, to be mean and nasty. I just want my own special peeps to, to hear the secret. Otherwise, if they find out, they're going to turn and repent, and they're going to go to heaven. So we're going to talk in parables so they don't know that. He's actually beginning to talk about the condition of the heart. So he's talking in parables because if someone's heart is right, it's going to seek after the truth. It's going to seek after the secrets that Jesus is talking about that God's given to them. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? This goes right along with the whole idea of above everything, keep your heart, protect your heart. So this is another universal, right? So if you don't understand this parable, how do you understand any parable? And I think that's a clue to him saying, understanding this parable is pretty important. The farmer sows the word. What does the farmer sow? The farmer sows the word. Where does the farmer sow it? In our hearts, right? Did we get to that part yet? Oh. Sorry. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Okay, so I used to think, and I, I might be the only one, but I was really excited about this verse because I associated this verse with money. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm just going to believe in my heart. You know, I'm going to memorize money scriptures and blessing scriptures, and, and I'm just going to make sure I'm not greedy and I don't have things in my heart that's going to keep those verses from producing money or prosperity in my life, whatever that looks like. And when I talked to friends, they didn't say those words, and I probably wouldn't have said those words, but that's what I was talking about. And it would kind of bother me a little bit, because when he's talked about the sower sows the word, it's like, well, you know... You're going to reap what you sow. What I sow is verses about money, so that's really what I want to reap, money. I think God has given us a clue on how, our, what's important. Number one, it's our heart that's important. It's not our mind. Our mind is a gateway. Our mind is important, but I think in Western society, we kind of worship thought. We kind of worship how someone thinks. You know, we... Uh, you know, I used to be very proud of myself for, 
for having this logical, you know, I studied logical a little bit, I knew the concepts of logic, and, and, and I have the ability to stay very independent and think logically through things and not get pulled in emotionally. And, and so that was a point of pride for me. Well, I think Western society in general feels that way. You know, it's, it's thought, it's understanding what is what's important. And we've kind of lost the skill of following and being dictated by what's in our heart. This is the process that God wants us to look at to identify, number one, it's the word that's sown in our heart. It's the word that's sown in our heart. And sometimes the words of the words confuse us and there might be a pause when you're reading. I don't understand that. I don't know what that is. That might be uh, an alarm bell to look deeper on what that means. Yeah. You know, open up a concordance. Open up what the original Greek says. Open up what the original Hebrew says. Learn what the Hebrew language is really about. It's amazing. The very letters that a root is used in Hebrew have meaning, and you might have a meaning to a root, but each one of those letters has a strong influence on what flavor that root is. You know, for instance, the, the names of God. Um, Elohim and, and what's the other major one? Yeah, thank you. You know, did you know one of those has more of a feminine bent to it and one has more of a, a guy bent to it? Only because I can't remember the name for a guy? Thank you. And God purposely uses his name at certain times to emphasize what part he's going to play in that. You know, so it's worth it to pay attention. But it becomes so overwhelming. To me, it's like information overload. That's why getting into the Bible and, and looking at scriptures, especially ones that have a, a pause. I still haven't gone back. I have no idea what it's about. But every time I read the section in uh, is it Judges where David um, decides to count all the people and he gets in trouble and God judges him and he has to choose between killing people or something else really bad or like a, a sickness or something. There's something in there in my heart that God wants me to see and wants me to find. For years, every time I read it, there's something there. You know, and the, the low-hanging fruit is God wants David to have faith in God and to trust him. And that's why he's punishing him because he should know better. You know, that's the, that's the easy conclusion for me to come up with. But every time I say that and do that, I say, ah, that's, there's something more. There's something deeper. So I have to dig, which I haven't because I'm intimidated and maybe a little bit lazy to go find out what God really wants me to find there. You know, and why is it important? And is it even timely? You know, is it just information, which it's not, we know it's not, or is this kind of a key I need in my own life to move on, to not be stuck? So, I'm just here to plant the seed because Tom won't let me stay for three hours. <laughs> plant the seed that the heart 
is probably much more important than the emphasis we give it to. We talk about the heart. We want a tender heart. We use the word heart in a lot of our Christian lingo. But I'm thinking, and I've been moving, I've gone on this kind of journey to find out more about the heart, more about my heart, and more about how the art interacts with God. And I have a really good idea, but I'm out of time. So I want to pray. Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for those babies. I thank you for those families. I thank you, Lord, that your heart is towards us. I thank you that you love us with such a deep passion and a depth that we, we can't even understand. It's going to take us eternity to learn how deeply you love us and that it really means something here and now and that you want us to access your love and access you in such a way for you to benefit our lives just because you love us. Even if we're not Johnny Go Street Witnessing healing guy, just because you love us. You just want to give and give and give. And Lord, you're trying to get us into a place to receive that love and, and to walk in kingdom principles and kingdom benefits that you died and paid for on the cross through Jesus. So Lord, I just ask right now, anybody in this room that is hesitant to believe the words that I'm saying, that is nervous because when they th the thought of you loving them and them being something more than they think they can be, Lord, I just pray that you change their minds, change their hearts, and help them seek you out in such a way to change their own heart, Father God. Protect everybody as they leave here today and... Just love on us, God. We love you. In Jesus' name. Greg, we want to, uh, we need to respond to this word. Right? It's, it's, you know, Greg prayed for, there, for us there in the end, but I think some individuals need to come up. And Dana just shared with me about chains being broken. God's breaking some chains. Chains are coming off. So um, you, the, the, you, can, you can be dismissed if you want to go, but just kind of do that quietly because people, uh, that w the prayer team, if, you, if you're available as well, come on up here because God's going to do some things yet this morning. God's wants to, that's, that's an awesome word. That's an awesome word. The, 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 you know, the journey that we've all been on about the heart being so deceived and, and can deceive us so much. God wants to set you free from, th from lies that have been spoken to you and that you've believed. Amen? Are, anybody out there that's, that's happened to? I'm, my hand's up. So, and anyone that would, would, would like to be prayed for, come on up and respond. Greg, would you come up and pray, please? Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, Visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.